talk about revolution that's going a little bit too far. So love me, love me, love me. I'm a liberal. Hello. And welcome back to another episode of More Like the Worst Wing, our show where now here in 2023, we are taking a look back at formerly Aaron Sorkin's seminal work, The West Wing, from a bit more of a modern leftist socialist perspective. I'm Dave. And I am Stu. And in the tradition of chugging through season seven, we are covering <laughs> two episodes again this time. The first one is entitled, appropriately, Duck and Cover, uh, named after the uh, useless drill they had kids do in <laughs> yeah. the 50s when we were worried about uh, nuclear war. Uh, because it's appropriate for the nuclear plant in fictional San Andreo, California, is melting down, as we learned at the last minute in the last episode that we covered and we get this interesting cold open where we get all three perspectives both Bartlett and then uh, the two campaigns as they learn the news of what's happening obviously Bartlett kind of goes into all hands on deck mode Uh, the Santos campaign immediately is like sweet this is a huge W for us what do we do and uh, Vinick campaign starts freaking the fuck out because he (laughs) was just on a debate uh, like two episodes ago saying that nuclear power is perfectly safe (laughs) Well, so, and from a technical perspective, you make a good note here that's like, it's a long, cold open. Yeah, it's like four minutes. I think it's interesting just to to kind of rope the current administration back into things, because we've been bitching for several episodes now that, like, the, the president isn't in necessarily, like, a lame duck situation yet. His administration mm-hmm. still has months and months and months of running the country mm-hmm. to go, but... We haven't seen fucking anything. I mean, we've barely right. seen Martin Sheen. Right. And when we do, it's usually about, like, something that's stupid, like the Toby stuff, you know? <laughs> or or all this Kazakhstan BS that keeps bubbling around that they have to put even more in this episode because the next episode is going to be all about Kazakhstan, but we're not there yet. Yeah. So this whole episode is dealing with this disaster, and I think... You know, when I was, we were chatting before the show, I had mentioned that I hated these episodes, but you're like, you're not, and I'll agree with you, the first one is actually pretty good because... It's pretty watchable. Well, and because it also, it retreats a little bit to almost like a bottle episode type yes. of perspective. Yes. Which makes it easier. It makes yes. it easier somehow. Oh, and it focuses basically, other than the stupid Kazakhstan crap they throw in, it basically all focuses all 100% on the nuclear issue. Which is, you know, this is the biggest disaster currently happening in the fictional, you know, West Wing universe. They, they should be 100% focused on it. Uh, as, I, as I said in the notes here, it's a perfect, like, sort of, this is what liberals think our emergency response is like <laughs> kind of thing. Where everyone's, you know, they're super competent and they're super, you know, on the people's side and trying to make sure that nothing bad happens. And bar- at one point... You know, there's like, oh, they're saying it's a 10-mile evacuation radius. And Bartlett's like, really? Well, me and the advisors are going to go to 10.1 miles and camp out there. And I want to see them come meet us. So now what do they think about 15 miles? And they're like, now they say 15 is good, sir. And it's like, yeah, this is what we want to imagine happens. In reality, it's uh, Delta Airlines says uh, five days off for COVID, no more. (laughs) And and the response is, oh, okay, cool. (laughs) 
Delta Airlines says our flight attendants need to be back on the job as soon as they pop positive. So, yeah. well. And, and the White House says, yep, how high, sir? <laughs> yeah, no problem. Um, so it's a great fictional example of that, though. And, this, you know, the stakes are appropriately high. We have J.K. Simmons, awesome oh guest God. star. Incredible. As the, the nuclear advisor guy, I assume he's like you know, maybe he's like the, the energy DOE. cabinet guy yeah. Or, or yeah, something like that. He's the one with all the facts, and he's here to exposit about all the various things that are currently going wrong with the nuclear plant. Uh, basically, the logistics are like the coolant uh, is the coolant failed. Uh, and so they have to get more coolant in there. In the meantime, radioactive gas is leaking into a containment building and then more of it into an auxiliary building and the auxiliary building can't handle it. So they have to, <laughs> as we talked about, very Simpsons reference, <laughs> yeah. vent radioactive gas. Y-E-S. Venting prevents explosion. <laughs> well, give me a Y. Give me a... Oh, my God. I only have to type Y. Guess who just tripled their productivity? <laughs> so, and this is very... Um, before... Well, actually, so the first thing out the gate after the cold open is there's the the classic West Wingism of going after the fucking press for this stuff because mm-hmm. they have this insipid television clip playing like in the background where the anchor literally says, well, the only thing we know is that, you know, there was an emergency siren that went off and also we saw some Arab tourists near the facility. Oh my <laughs> God, like, yes. Jesus it's Christ. so 2005. And <laughs> At one point, someone says, get CNN to stop spreading rumors. And I'm like, oh, really? It's, it's that mm-hmm. easy? <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Unless, unless you're Ed Bastian, CEO of Delta Airlines, you can't just make a call. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, it, it feels, that feels so 2005. If it were being made nowadays, it would be activists with rainbow flags seen near the facility. <laughs> yeah, there, there are some pink and light blue stripes on this flag. I don't know what so, it means. Some woke mind virus shit happened to the <laughs> nuclear plant. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the nukes went woke. Yeah. <laughs> the, um, the reactor identifies as a coal plant now. Fuck you. <laughs> um, oh, man. Yeah, so it's it's a like a classic kind of thing, and I mean, ultimately, the panic, and I think most of the people who are listening to our show at this juncture understand like the scientific details behind this shit. But just just in case, um, a, a nuclear power plant cannot explode like a nuclear bomb right. does. It is it's literally physically impossible. Right. When, when they talk about meltdowns, what happens is it literally melts and radiation gets released. Don't get us wrong. It's bad. It's bad for radiation to be released, but it will not blow up in a nuke-type nuclear bomb, H-bomb explosion. Yeah. The explosions that you're concerned about are related to the design of the reactor and the containment vessel slash, you know, kind of the environs of a thing. Because Yeah, it can blow up, but it'll oh, just sure. blow up normal. Yeah, it, it blows just up normal blow up because there'll be like water will flash into steam, and because steam, That's what the volume at of steam, right? yes, it's it, the volume of steam is like sixty times what yeah. it is with water. Just the pressure change will rupture something there, and then the other explosion that you worry about is that if the nuclear fuel gets hot enough to basically hydrolyze water into oxygen and hydrogen, because hydrogen also loves to blow up. And it will be. It loves blowing up. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> fucking love it. So. 
So, so yeah, you will get some big booms, but they will not be nuclear-type booms. Like, at one point, Vinick is concerned because his grandkids are in San Diego, which is, you know, from the <laughs> fictional town, away. 50 or 100 miles yeah. away. Like, they're fucking fine, man. Relax. <laughs> Dude. And they treat it with, like, very solemnly, too. Like, his advisor's like, oh, fuck, man, his grandkids might die. Like, no, they're fine. <laughs> Dude. <laughs> and, ultimately, the reason that it's called a, quote, meltdown is, like you said, because the fuel gets gets so hot that the uranium metal melts at which point what makes a nuclear bomb work is specifically the shape and the pressure that the uranium is under in addition to the like enrichment factor and so when it melts it's no longer in that shape so it is impossible you just just reminded me of the stupid science of the core movie Mm. where they need the nuclear bomb that they're using to be bigger so they just put more fuel rods around it and that makes it a bigger nuclear bomb because that's how that works it's it's definitely how it goes it's just like adding more tnt to the tnt stack you know right yeah, I mean, you know, it'll, uh, more more boom equals more bomb. More boom, yeah, yeah, more fuel, more exactly. Uh, so the whole time, J.K. Simmons is telling them about all this, and eventually, the resolution ends up being that they have to send in engineers to uh, fix two valves. Uh, one's like the coolant valve to get the coolant flowing in, and one's like the release valve to release the steam where it's supposed to be released so that they have, can stop venting radiation into the atmosphere, which, by the way, they have to do at one point. Um, so have fun, fictional town yeah. of San Andreo, with your cancer and whatnot. Yeah, the, the, the steam that goes out is um, going to settle over a certain distance, yeah. which I guess that's fine. Yeah, there's a whole there's a whole thing. But anyway, so at one point, so Bartlett kind of has to take like the decision to like send these engineers in. And in what I will call the most based Bartlett moment ever, (laughs) uh, he says, like, why are we sending in civilian engineers? Don't we have some fucking army guys? (laughs) You know, those guys are basically disposable. (laughs) They knew what they signed up for. I like nuclear engineers that don't die. (laughs) Yeah. Like, yeah, you know, they signed up for the meat grinder. They're, they they know, you know, their wives are okay with getting a flag and a, and a, a solemn officer yeah. at the door, you know? Like a 21-gun salute. That'll make it okay that they die, like, screaming and radiation poisoning. Yeah, an awful, awful way to go, by the way. And one of our... Uh. So he ends up sending two civilian engineers in first, and uh, he is advised that they have, like, a 15-minute time limit of, like, safe, le- relatively safe, you know, levels of exposure. It's still going to be pretty bad for them, but at least they would probably live if they got out in 15. He ends up keeping them in for 32 Two minutes, minutes yeah. um, on a on a doomed attempt to try to fix the situation fully, uh, which they're unable to do. The backup team, which, by the way, they had a backup team, <laughs> uh, ends up fixing the problem, and thankfully the backup team, I, I think they got it done in under 15 minutes, so they're okay. But of our initial team, one of them dies basically right away from radi- sick radiation poisoning, uh, and the other one is, spoilers, not like, going to have that yeah, long of life either. <laughs> super fucked up. <sighs> like, man, it's like the, uh, man, it fucked me up reading about how, like, those guys, like, exposed the demon core or whatever, and then oh, just, yeah. like, they're scientists, they all instantly knew, like, well, I'm dead then. <laughs> like, that's just, just so fucked. An incredible <laughs> mindset. Radiation is fucking crazy, y'all. Uh, to avoid it. <laughs> yeah, hi- highly suggest not. And I mean, we can we can kind of talk about from the Horse Wing podcast. <laughs> I mean, and ultimately, so like, there's there's a fuck. 
there there is a certain reality to how nuclear power goes because every time I look into this and you know like I'm a I'm technically like an environmental public health guy and sure like every time I look at it the numbers just the the sheer power numbers with regards to a singular nuclear generator versus any other option yeah is in just, terms of environmental impact yeah it's just staggering like the, Staggeringly the, one-sided in favor of nuclear, yes. Put the clip in here of Vinick uh, bringing up all the pros of nuclear and why Europe's emissions are lower than ours and whatnot. You know why Europe's greenhouse emissions are so much lower than ours? Nuclear power, totally emissions-free. You know how many Americans die from oil refinery explosions, from coal soot in the air? Tens of thousands. And not one from a nuclear power anything in 30 years. And if I'm being honest, this is one of the episodes where um, the Republican side of things is completely correct, because let's 100%. be clear. He's arguing for better regulations on the plants and more plants. And I'm 100% on board with that. Yeah. And I think at this point, you know, they've made the joke about it, I think, in the show. And as another fucking Simpsons line here is like the Democratic Party at this point, their perspective on environmentalism is very Ed Begley Jr., where it's mm-hmm. like we can just sort of kumbaya our way mm-hmm. into this untenable position of continuing modern society, but also mm-hmm. somehow like squaring the circle of needing ever increasing amounts of energy. Right. Without, and without touching the nuclear option. Yeah. It's ridiculous. I remember like in an earlier episode, somewhere around season three or four, they're arguing about like some 10%, you know, carbon reduction or whatever. And they have to compromise down to 5%. You know what I mean? Like this is all they can do is margin around the edges kind of thing. Yeah. And I mean, I guess as a time capsule, I mean, if um, for any listeners who aren't really like politically aware in 2006 it's like this is a couple years before the general understanding of the very of like, like carbon yeah the broad concept of like carbon as a pollutant right and uh, not, not just like pollution you know and it was yeah. greenhouse gases but it was it was a lot more abstract it wasn't directly like you know carbon footprint wasn't a thing yeah like i the the i think the the idea of carbon dioxide being bad beyond it being like a like a a, a byproduct, yeah, exactly. Was was a couple of years off still, which is fucking wild because obviously the oil companies knew, of for course, decades, for decades, decades um, and decades, of and, course. And yeah. looking back, but we were focused on like acid rain and things like that, and you know the hole in the ozone layer and, and shit like that was sort of the environmental focus at the time. Well, and yeah, because you can point at a thing that does direct deliberate harm to human beings, where it's like, oh no, we're gonna we're gonna control sulfur dioxide, we're gonna like clamp down on PCBs CFCs. or whatever it is. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, CFCs, exactly. Whereas anything that's just a systemic impact is just sort of hand right it's it's literally externalities what it is it's it's mm-hmm, a, a mm-hmm. externality perspective on this stuff and turns out whoops we were like 20 years behind the curve on fixing this now right. and part of it was I'm, I'm gonna be honest this is our legitimately our favorite show that we always reference part of it was the simpsons fault <laughs> for we, making nuclear there there is a pop culture stupid perspective. absolutely Absolutely. The idea that Homer Simpson is running our, our nuclear grid. 
and and that it is bad and generally like and, it's green and that it's gonna shit. get three-eyed fish in yep. your water and, yep. and shit like that yeah no absolutely absolutely that definitely had a huge cultural impact because like anyone born after like you know after 1979 or whatever who like can't or you know even earlier than that who was a child during three mile island they should have no reason to doubt nuclear we have not had a nuclear accident in this country since three mile island (laughs) ironically the longer this episode goes into the past the more and more a stunning endorsement of nuclear safety it is because this fictional accident is the only one we've had since then there's there's been a whole fucking kerfuffle over its Fox Point. Uh, I guess you can count the one in Japan, but that's Japan. That's not here, you know. Oh no! Like we have we have a nuclear generating station about forty miles south of us on the Hudson River, and it is still operating. And there has been just this tremendous fucking fight between the i'm gonna be honest it's the wealthy democrats the liberals who are like oh boy and by virtue of their their age and their place in time because i won't say generation because generations suck like by virtue of their age and their place in time put up this huge fight over it and then it's just like oh but if we turned this off like eighty thousand households would lose power would lose, lose all their power yeah. like what the fuck what do you think we're doing here yeah, no, it's ridiculous, and unfortunately, the show has the complete wrong politics of it. Um, so, rather than get into that, let's the campaigns react yes uh, appropriately. It, well, sort of. Josh has the correct gut instinct at first, which is do not try to make hay out of this. Don't try to politicize a tragedy. The press is going to do all of our work for us, which he is one hundred percent correct about because the press loves an accident, and they will they will you know if it bleeds, it leads. You know, and this is, you know, this isn't quite bleeding. It's more radiation, but, you know, either way, it's bad. Uh, and they're going to dig into it, and they do, and they find out all the, all the shit, like that Vinick okayed this plant 25 years ago, which, by the way, is fine. <laughs> like, you know, like, it's not Vinick's fault. It's very funny that Vinick then comes out, and he tries to uh, kind of change the blame away from him by blaming lack of federal regulations, and which is hilarious because it's a Republican claiming he wants more and better regulations. Yeah, from the another government. fantasy, so to speak. <laughs> yeah, exactly. This is our good Republican who is going to propose stronger and better federal <laughs> regulations. Uh, which is Bartlett does call him out in the episode, so I'll give credit where credits due. Bartlett's like, yep. "Oh, really? You're going to yep, fucking yep. do that? You've had 25 years in the Senate. Where's your bill? I'll sign it right now." Yeah, fuck you, Arnie. Like so. Yeah, the Vinick campaign is completely flustered. Uh, they're, they're compl- you know, they should have shut up too. Vinick, oh, there's all this fucking kerfuffle over the fact that Vinick is going to stand by the president when they do like their press I, conference about the nuclear accident. I and am, they're treating it like, oh my God, Artie Vinick just won the election by standing next to Bartlett. And I'm like, are you insane? Like, I, because they go back and forth, multiple people getting each the opposite perspective on it as they kind of, which I, I get because it's like the the ultimate like analytical brain picking over the potential of this sure. stuff where it's like it could go either way, but the whole time it's just like who No one's gonna remember No one's gonna fucking care. Who cares? No one will, no one will remember this shit tomorrow that like he was at a fucking press conference. Like, are you kidding me? 
Yeah, they they make so much energy and like waste about it. And Josh starts like doubting himself, and like you know, thankfully Santos makes the correct call of like, no, Josh, you were right. We're not going to say anything. We'll let the press do all the work for us, and they do. And the press, you know, rips Vinick apart because he was just on a debate stage saying nuclear power is perfectly safe, and they just keep replaying that clip over and over and over. Meanwhile, like they're cut to the Vinick campaign, they're tearing their hair out, like stop playing the clip. Well, and there's this, there the the deep, the sort of deep background info that it's like Arnie Vinnick pushed this plant through confirmation mm-hmm. with the regulators mm-hmm. 25 years ago. Like, who cares? Who fucking cares? The dude, the right. fact that the dude it's is the fact still that he's alive. Pro nuclear is the is the actual yeah. issue here. Yeah, yeah. Let's you know, and they they take given great- that this fictional accident just happened, and now everyone thinks nuclear power is gonna like all thirty one swing states. They say with nuclear plants have all like instantly just been like, oh fuck, Vinick. I would I would fucking love for there to still be thirty one states with nuclear plants operating, but like the the concept of it being again this is just a very where am i going with this line of thought it's just a very democrat way to think about this stuff where it is forever trying to find this pegged in the middle thing where it's like you are wrong on both ends of the spectrum and yet somehow you also are wrong when you synthesize those two things I just, it's really spectacular to watch them work this out because also, I mean, what ultimately comes down to is none of the political stances taken by the characters are coherent because the writers are fucking dumb as dirt, too. So, like, I, I don't know, more than any, more than a lot of episodes, the political perspective and, like, from a, from, like, a policy and how to work this into the line here this episode this episode is just like blah and then it ends <laughs> it's just like, okay great yeah and then they, they fix the problem the second team fixes the problem and problem solved uh there's a great little line where bartlett says that they will be existing with federal relocation for people who don't want to return and i was like boy wouldn't it be nice if the east uh, palestine ohio people got some <laughs> yeah. some of that kind of action or, or like any fucking anywhere like if there's any Anything. option fucking katrina like and katrina had happened already when this is oh, filming yeah. like uh yeah yeah you're right uh, that was like what 2003 2004 no it was mid like 2005 that. so this is these are being oh, filmed yeah. between 05 and 06 this is right so to be fair it was probably written before katrina but still your, your point we're, is we're on the border here <laughs> <laughs> yeah, your point. Your point is quite valid. Uh, the, again, like I said, this is sort of the perfect liberal imagined emergency response, and it plays out well if you view it as kind of like it's almost like a disaster movie in in, in an yes. episode sort of thing. And I feel like I don't know why, but the stakes got communicated a lot more here than they do with like the various World War Three crap that we're about to talk about or other crap that I've talked about in the past where I've said like I don't feel the stakes because we don't see it. Here it works for some reason. Yes. I want to chalk it up to the cinematography. We get a lot of handheld in this episode, which is rare for the West Wing. It's normally a very stable lockdown kind of camera show. We get a lot of like shaky uh, not shaky cam. It's only like a little bit but it's just noticeable enough that it kind of puts the viewer on edge like all the uh, characters are on edge because of the disaster. Yeah, you get you get slight unpredictable movements in the camera which mm-hmm. communicates a sense of anxiety and shift like physically mm-hmm. shifting. So Yeah. 
Yeah. I'm, 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 I wonder if it's that, because it feels like all the previous times where I was bitching about stakes, we were getting a lot more standard cinematography. Whereas this one, I, I did, you do feel it. Or maybe it's just, you know, that it's in America, that it's affecting, I don't know, a major city. Like, you know, you know, I don't know, but it works. It works. Yeah. Uh, unlike the Kazakhstan stuff that we're well, about to talk about. Yeah. And as, as a, a bottle episode, and if you just kind of leave aside and take a facile understanding of the science. Of, 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 involved, yeah. If you just treat the nuclear power like magic effectively. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. fine. And I think they do a good job structuring it to make the kind of like it come off as, as fun television as it stands. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, there, there's a brief thing with Donna and like going to talk to the press. She's got a purple yeah, and then suit, she a, which is cute. So, so Josh, Josh basically cowards out at the last moment and is like, "Fine, leak to the press that Vinick okayed the plant, which he's been trying to avoid doing this whole time, so that it doesn't look like he's playing politics." But then Donna's about to go do it and realizes the press already found out the story through their own independent <laughs> yeah. methods and then just swallows it and goes like, Nope, never mind, not talking to the press. Bye. <laughs> and this and, is and so and saves Josh's ass, basically. It, it's one time in the show where they don't have absolute contempt for the press. We're just like, yes. they would know this already. They are not going to rely on you yeah. to figure gonna, it out. They're gonna figure it out. Yeah. It's the biggest story in America. Like they're going to dig into this. Like, I know they're jackals, but they're your jackals this time. Like, it's fine. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they're on your side here. So, yeah, let's take a break, and then we'll come back and we'll discuss more of the second episode a that we reviewed. Burns out in the Ukraine. Trees and umbrellas protect us from the new rain. Armies of engineers to analyze the soil. The food we contemplate, the water that we boil. I can't run, but I can walk much faster than this can't run. But I can't run, but I can. And welcome back. The next episode, entitled "The Cold," uh, focuses mostly on this. Kazakhstan-based conflict between Russia and China. But before we get into all that dumb bullshit, because it's boring and it's stupid, first off, we got Pulse, 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 Pulse! The Pulse sign has been lit. The Pulse fucking cargo plane has dropped its load <laughs> upon our characters. And it's like, so it's like, it's implied to be like 3, 4, 5 a.m. They've clearly been up all night, but they're in that like TV sexy way where no one actually looks like they've been up all night and they're <laughs> ugly as fuck, but they're all just kind of like slightly disheveled hair. <laughs> yeah, like, like they're, they're just, ready to go. Like, oh, there is such a horny energy yeah. in this poll oh, room God. as they read all the various polls, letting them know that basically Santos, who was down seven points, is now neck and neck with Vinick uh, nationally. You know, a bunch of states that they thought were out of play are now in play. Uh, it's whole, it's changed up the race in a huge way. And there's there's such horny energy in the room that I swear they're just one misplaced hand away from do- dripping <laughs> into an orgy. And like. Two of the lower level staffers. There's one guy who's like complaining about the. I think it's the New York Times. The New website York Times website not, freezing, not loading for and, him. And yeah. this other nerd goes like, "Well, it's pretty straightforward. Do you need some help?" And the guy's like, "I'm hitting one button. <laughs> I'm no, hitting refresh. No, I don't need help, my man." <laughs> 
And so I'm not wrong about diagnosing the horny energy here because Donna leaves the horny room, carries it with her straight to Josh's room, uh, tells Josh the good news about the polls, and they immediately have a big kiss moment um, that is leading into them hooking up. Uh, but then they are cock-blocked by Santos and the rest of the campaign all barging into the room and to celebrate the poll mix. Like, if I'm, l- let's be clear. If I'm Donna in this situation, I'm like, I knock, open the door, close it behind me close the little like hooky thingy the deadbolt uh-huh. or whatever and then i tell josh the news and yeah we, we would well, they, they would have had a moment she's just so excited from the pulse dude you know <laughs> like pulse. she's not thinking she's not thinking straight I've got my pulse the pulse have gone straight to her head yeah <laughs> Uh, to be fair, I actually do enjoy that, uh, like, the Santos campaign gets all this, like, good energy going now, uh, and they're all, like, walking on cloud nine for this whole episode. It's, it's kind of, it's infectious, uh, in a good way. And, uh, speaking of infectious, uh, one of the meanings of the episode title refers to Senator Vinnick, who nice. has a cold. Excellent segue. <laughs> uh, it's very funny that... That their campaign, you know, they treat it like this huge whole deal because, yeah, obviously he's played by Alan Alda. He's the older candidate by far. And they think that him taking a sick day uh, would basically make uh, Santos look, you know, so much more youthful and healthful and make Vinick look like an old dying man. And on the one hand, they're right. That would happen. Sure. On the other hand, that's a very sad indictment of like our Protestant work ethic culture where we can't afford an elderly person one day off work. For a sick day. And like the general, there's just this weird Western perspective of old people as somehow both worthy of veneration, but also not worth a fucking single shit if they're not productive. Right. Of care. Yeah, exactly. I, if they need, if they're a bur- being a burden in any way, shape or form. Like it, it drives me. Well, and, and to be fair, like I'm, I turn 39 tomorrow. Hooray. So like <laughs> the, like... I sort of understand where you would be coming from if you have been raised to value productivity, but also like only productivity for the capitalists seems to count. Not productivity for your family for yourself or for yourself or for your friends and loved ones. Right, or your own enjoyment or what have you. No, only only in the work sense of, you know, doing labor for someone with capital. And yes. Rest assured, the show will not interrogate that perspective for even a minute. <laughs> I like that the compromise of, no, we can't give him a sick day off. We can push his wake-up call back one hour. <laughs> Yippee-ki-yay! It's, He'll be fine! Well, well it's, it's a fascinating parallel to how they treated Bartlett being sick. Because, Mm -hmm. like, they do the same thing with him in the MS diagnosis. And I think in that instance, he is actively fighting them. Right. He wants to be. Like, accommodating them. He wants to be working his old schedule, even though it would kill him. Yeah. And, I mean, a cold isn't going to kill a guy. Right. To be clear. Yeah. To be fair, Vinick literally just does have a cold. I don't. And also, uh, Josh, uh, when the Santos campaign hears about it, Josh fucking acts like his dreams just came true. Yeah. It's bizarre. Like, he he just. Vinick doesn't even take any time off campaigning. Like, you gained nothing. You you won't see it. 
they they're they're savvy enough right. to not like broadcast to the not fact. to not show him you know to not have him on a press conference going. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I'm dying. That, that's a very Joe Biden move. <laughs> yeah. uh, excuse yeah, me. Yeah, have his eye explode yeah. in the middle of a debate. There's <laughs> so many good opportunities. It's, it's really funny because Vinick ends up being fine, so it is. It's, it really doesn't matter at all. He just like takes some cough drops or whatever. Like it's not that big a deal. But it's also funny because I remember before Vinick ran, he goes to the doctor for his like you know congressional he- health checkup, and they're like, "Wow, you're healthy as you know a man ten ten years younger than you or whatever." And and so like he is fine. I don't know why Josh treats it like such a W, especially because they just had an actual big W with the nuclear accident. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think it, more than anything, it sort of just continues to expose the way that Josh thinks about things, but we don't need, sure. we don't, but we don't need that, ultimately. Like, Not really, the, we, know, we know that plenty The viewer doesn't point. need to be told again about sort of like the, the ruthlessness of a Josh Lyman here, which... Right. I mean, like, right. let's be clear that he's, on, that he's celebrating an old man got sick. Like, he, oh, so ruthless or whatever. Like, like not really. Yeah, because the, <laughs> the writers, I don't know, need to continue to characterize him. And I, I don't know. The only, the, the, the really redeeming factor in this whole thing is that we get so many good guest stars because they yes. have the entire Vinick staff up and up and running. We have, they... And honestly, I think this is one of the very few times that I've actually, when I'm reading the credits in the intro, because let's be clear, it's really boring. And I'm just sitting here like, holy fucking Like Dean Norris? Oh my yeah. God. <laughs> fucking, they're minerals, Marie. Like, fucking, <laughs> we have Ron, Ron Canada again in the, like, as the mm-hmm. national security guy. Steven Root, obviously, is mm-hmm. the team meme. We get the vice presidential candidate, Brett Cullen. Is back, and I'm sitting here and and looking at this list and being like, "This is gonna fucking rule." And sure enough, for the like four minutes, they all get on stage. That they're all together. Yeah, like it's it's good. It's fine. Yeah, it's really good. There's a lot of good energy there. Yeah. So basically, Dean Norris and some lady assistant of his, who I think we've seen before. Either way, they're both like they're representatives of the religious hardcore right people, and they're basically telling them like, "Okay, so we know you got this nuclear accident. We know your poles have tanked." Now's the time to run to the right and get the conservative base activated and and bring out your base. And honestly, they're not. They wrong. have a point. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, they kind of have a point. But uh, Bruno, Bruno, by the way, took a bunch of stupid pills. This oh episode. yeah, and also last uh, one because he fucked and up. And last episode. Because he fell totally into the trap that the obvious trap that Josh was deploying because he thought Josh couldn't like have a, a modicum of self-control, which he which actually can. Very close to reality, however, in this one time. To be, to be fair, he he did almost fuck it yeah. up. He almost <laughs> blew it and he got saved at the last second by Donna. But yeah, so Bruno has taken some fucking more stupid pills because now he's like, no, 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 we have to go win back the undecided moderates. And like, uh, this is this is the the classic like election mistake that's been going on for I don't know how many decades at this point, but it's always about base turnout, nothing else. Yep, yep. Turn out your base. If you turn out your base more than the other guy turns out their base, you win. Yep, it's that simple. It's fuck the undecideds and the moderates. They're going to split in ways you will never predict. Like, but they will just split mostly down the middle anyway. So you can kind of ignore them. Yep, and it's. As far as, like, the electoral stuff goes, really, 
other than that, this episode then sort of pivots to focus on the fucking impending World War Three. Yes. <laughs> stuff. I just. Oh, uh, before before we get into oh, please, that, yeah, I do want to note that. Uh, that Leo has a great line where once once they hear all the good poll news, he's talking to Santos and he's like, okay, fine. It's time to, you know, a bunch of moderates just left Vinick. It's time to win them back to the Democratic Party. You're going to tell them that you want deficit reduction and that you want more cops on the street. And I'm like, oh my God, Jesus fucking uh... wept. <laughs> like, just immediate, like, run to the center shit. And I thought the whole... I thought Santos was good about pushing back about that. But this time he's just kind of, like, smiling and nodding. He's just like, my campaign's going great. <laughs> yeah, no problems here. We're good. <laughs> I'm gonna win. Who cares about selling out my issues and my ethics and whatever? So, in addition to... I, ju- I just don't... The the, the World War Three thing comes up harder this time because so that and to to refresh people this is the continuation of the mr frost arc is the china wants kazakhstan's oil kazakhstan just elected a russian puppet president and russia wants to protect their puppet president and their oil so therefore troops are gathering yeah like we're, we're stationing troops on borders we're we're saber rattling and it's, I don't know, and we and we're world policing because we're America. Like, yes, like that. Literally, Bartlett is just like we have to do it, and all his military advisors are like, yeah, we have to do it. NATO's <laughs> yeah. not going to help. The UN's fucking worthless. Like, uh, and just there's the, not even like a you know diplomatic talks get mentioned like twice and then like thrown out the whole fucking window. You know. It's just ridiculous. I, and they, they use all these just the most guileless perspective on these things because of all the, and, and I got to be honest, of all the like manufactured conflicts that we could have, why is right. it between... This is the dumbest. <laughs> why is it between not two, but three nuclear, nuclear. powers? Why? Yeah. China, Russia, and America. Yeah, at least India, Pakistan has a big, you know, that was the last World War Three thing, and that was a lot more believable because India and Pakistan have shitloads of beef. But uh, yeah, but Russia and China are not going to go to a war over oil in Kazakhstan. And I like, the, there are all these like military scenarios. And again, it's because the writers are dumb as shit and the, their audience doesn't know much better because... right. In what world would a nuclear power consider a, consider mo, mobilizing? That's the word I'm looking for. Mobilizing yeah, a conventional army oh, against another nuclear and, power. And like they put numbers on it where they're just like, oh, Mr. President, this will take 150,000 combatants. Troops. Yep. What on the a, on, fuck? On an extended peacekeeping mission, as it were. Uh, I guess, to form a human barrier, basically, between the Russian forces and the Chinese forces in Kazakhstan. Which just, if that sounds, viewer, listener, if that sounds like the ultimate clusterfuck, oh, I assure you, it would be. The the level of uh, just 
I just I'll say energy. I just I like, picture a million things happening on like the edges of that conflict. You know where the Americans are rubbing up against the Russians and the Chinese. Like just a million little incidents that are going to spark actual World War Three. Well, and the level of energy that would be required to and again I think the word mobilize is the correct one here because the right. effort to mobilize a a conventional engagement on that scale would never be undertaken because if it's something that is physically that bad in, you know, the aughts... They're wasting more money than they're going to get from the oil, you know? Legitimately. And at that point, if you are that deep into it, uh, just, like, deploy some tactical just, just nukes. Nuke just get it over yeah. with. <laughs> just, like, like uh, rip the fucking band-aid, you like, know? Like, there's no way forward... If we are at that scale. And arguably, as you said before the call, this is sort of the whole point of nuclear weapons is that there's not going to be conventional wars in this sort of way between nuclear powers. It's all proxy bullshit, you know, like Ukraine. Yes, exactly. And I think there are some people who today would listen to us talking about this stuff and be like, oh, well, what about Ukraine? And just like, nope, nope. That is still a proxy. It may directly involve... A power. It absolutely involves America and Russia, but like it's done through these. Does all this proxy bullshit makes it you know quote unquote okay and that we're not actually at war with Russia? Yeah, there needs to be. There's a um, like a patina of sanction by virtue of another involvement. <laughs> that's a good. That's a good turn of phrase. Yes, like it is. It is. There is another party involved here that makes it okay. And no, we're not actually fighting. Just like right. Proxy Wars. Metal Gear Solid called it all. (laughs) Kojima's a prophet. (laughs) So nothing... Don't let me get started on my bullshit. (laughs) Nothing even... I just... We just have so much stuff going back and forth and I don't care about any of it. No, it's all boring. The sit room stuff sucks. The only decent part of it is that towards the end of the episode, Bartlett summons both Vinick and Santos to the White House. Uh, we, give me a couple of notes here. One, when Vinick enters the White House with his like you know uh, campaign delegation or whatnot, they play this most ominous fucking music on the soundtrack that I swear to God is basically the West Wing version of like the Imperial March <laughs> from Star Wars, of like a fucking Darth Vader has entered <laughs> the building. Here comes the bad guy. He's bad, don't it's, you know? Here exactly. comes the bad like, guy. He's gonna fuck you up. It's, it's so on the nose, and the the show is known for having on the nose music. But this is really just like it's like almost comical. Uh, also, there's this a ton of drama being brought into the fact that like Vinick has to wait while uh, Bartlett talks to Leo McGarry first. And it's like, yeah, they're like old friends. Like, but they treat it like it's this huge fucking deal that like he's being I can't snubbed. believe we're sitting here. And getting snubbed while he has to, he talks to his old friend who he likes rather than the Republican who's trying to replace him. Rather than this other guy who is nominally against him, like fundamentally. Who's trying to take his job (laughs) away from him. (laughs) Like, oh my God, he's talking to his best friend first? The fucking horror. Like, I don't know why. It's so much, this tree was so much drama. Like, our fucking act break for one of the commercials is Debbie dramatically closing the door on the Vinick people. I just, the decorum brain, like, oh, he's like, don't you know that 
Leo is just a vice presidential candidate. He's not the presidential candidate. He's not the former Ooh. chief of staff to the president who was like best friends with him for 30 fucking years or whatever. Like, it's just so silly. And it all doesn't matter. You know, Vinick just ends up going in there anyway. It doesn't like nothing comes of it. But anyway, so he summoned both Vinick and Santos, gets them in the Oval Office and basically lays out all the bullshit about the Kazakhstan stuff. And it's just like, yeah, guys, uh, sucks. We got to do this. I know this is basically going to make both of your campaigns uh, not be about issues anymore and just be about the Kazakhstan war. And you're going to have to deal with this when you first get into office. But uh, we're the world police. Got to roll with it. Like, good luck. No, I won't take any good questions. Luck, fuckers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Refuses to elaborate. Leaves. <laughs> yeah, it's just... <laughs> I don't... And we... The- yeah, and so both Vinick and uh, Santos kind of both mutually freak out. Vinick at the cost of the war, which is what, like $70 billion for the first 12 months, and is immediately just like, well, there goes my tax cuts, and there goes your education plan. And it's like, yeah, that's the problem. We spend a gajillion dollars on the fucking military. I just lost you for like... 15 seconds on the audio. Ah, so crap. You, but yeah. no, but your hand will have it because it's not local. Anyway, I'll cut out okay. my, like, like riffing. So You want me to stop? No, you're good. Look, Go ahead. look listeners, this is a, a peek inside how the, how the sausage is made here at this... <laughs> Told you I was having internet issues. <laughs> here at this definitely professional level podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Live from the Worst Wing Studio. Live from San Andreo, California. <laughs> Well, and speaking of, there's, like... (laughs) My power got disrupted because of the nuclear plant. (laughs) (laughs) There's a bunch of other weird shit with kind of, like... um, I was talking about guest stars earlier. And there's a bunch of, like, weird kind of weigh-in moments here where at the end of the... Like, the end of the episode, um, Patricia Richardson, whose character name I can never remember... Uh, whatever senior advisor to whatever she's 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 his campaign manager effectively she resigns she's she's his josh yeah yeah she she throws herself under the bus um basically so that he can announce like hey i'm hiring a new more religious conservative campaign manager and try to like shore up with his base a little we get we get fucking rana cock blocking i think i'm just reading your notes now get rock (laughs) cock blocking donna and josh again yeah yeah, this is so good. Jo- Donna tries to slip Josh her room key, and and Josh is like, you know, contemplating it in like a very serious way, and and rather than just pick it up, and in the meantime, uh, Rana picks it up. Is like, oh, Donna, you forgot your room key. <laughs> it's I, I don't know. I've been there when uh, I when I was twenty. That's the sort of thing that I would misread. <laughs> like, I'll, I'll give just, it to Rana. It's fine, girl. Like. Uh, 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 and then, like, Donna has to be like, oh, yeah, thanks, great. Definitely. <laughs> Josh, by the way, nothing's stopping you from just going to her yeah, room no and shit. knocking. It's like, it's fine, buddy. Be, 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 <laughs> like, get over it. Yeah, she'll be in it. She can just unlock the like, door herself. <laughs> you guys already made out. Uh, speaking of which, so given that they make out at the beginning of the episode and they don't get a chance to actually hook up in this episode, uh, Donna has the least amount of chill about this entire situation. Josh actually handles it okay, which is kind of funny. I think he'd be the one yeah, freaking out about things. it. Yeah. 
Yeah, funny enough, he actually handles it fine, and Donna is the one where every time she talks to anyone, you know, their first question is like, oh, hey, how's the campaign? How's Josh? <laughs> and rather than just, like, handle it normally, she instantly freaks out anytime anyone brings up the name Josh <laughs> and immediately gives the game away, and they're like, oh, you and Josh hooked up, huh? It's, it's so good, and I'm trying to think of, like, a pop culture reference for this, but I'm just, just like, like, you can see her, like, freak out immediately and, like, start she's, sweating. She's just, like, she's too, like, Midwestern nice or something yeah. to keep a secret or, or it's something like that it's some character flaw of hers but it's f- so funny where just instantly to both will and cj she reveals that she and josh hooked up yeah and this, even though she's not trying to it's also not even that serious like they just kind of like kissed for an extended period i mean they kissed sorry hooked up but you know like clearly the feelings are there and obviously we know where this is going hope so um and they will they will end up hooking up although it is very funny how much they get uh josh gets cockblocked this episode the um otherwise like the will and kate thing has been going on oh yeah just sort of as a it's fine a little soupçon throughout these last two episodes where yeah they're they're dating now they're yeah and i i, I have a note here that it just says damp in all caps, and lol thanks Kate. I have no idea what this is referring so, uh, to. So basically CJ almost cottons on to the fact that Will and Kate are dating just by the fact that they both presented something together in their office and there was a little awkward moment. And uh, and Kate covers by the fact that like, yeah, that happens when the weather gets damp. <laughs> okay, and then like, as, as she's walking out of the room, she's like face palming herself like, God, Kate, you fucking God, you <laughs> yeah, idiot. <laughs> It's great. <laughs> it's 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 cute, and the actors sell it well. As you said, the stupid thing of like, oh, I left a bra over. Oh, it's a crisis. Is just like very very teenage sixth grade mentality. Yeah, very teenage shit, and that's fine because oh, we a bra. Because in a real viewing of this show, all of these characters have like a very juvenile sort of thrust sure. to their emotional intelligence, which. I don't know if yeah. it's a benefit of hindsight and being 40 now and looking back at this, but like it's just all of these things are very just the level of understanding of interpersonal relationships in this show is like I, sophomore I year think it's maybe. Clearly, sure, it's clearly played up a bit for like effect sure. for comedy yep. sort of thing. So, you know, we're willing to give it a pass because it mostly is funny. Um, well, and Will and Kate have, have like Will and Kate actually have like chemistry yeah and a complimentary sort of awkwardness about it which is nice yes yeah where like she's she's awkward in her own way too like you can actually see them both kind of being awkward together in that way maybe she did like the debate on the tv i guess (laughs) because i guess i guess it worked out so pimp move will i guess damn right you read her sorry for dissing your sorry for dissing your game you you had her on lock the whole time (laughs) um but yeah i think that mostly does it uh, for discussion, uh, I think we kind of hit all the points. Yeah, there's nothing, and um, like, it just kind of ends on this like lazy song and montage style ending that we've seen half a dozen, more than a dozen times before on this show. Yeah, and we're we're getting into like I think it's another two episodes, and then we get the actual election day election ones. Yay! So we're getting. I remember there. the election episode being good. Yeah, we're getting there, and I mean, ultimately, you mentioned like seeing leo in the background and emma made sure to point it out this time around too where anytime leo is on screen now it's mm-hmm. with contemporary viewers being fully aware that the actor is that dead. john spencer, that john spencer is, is dead. dead yeah 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 that's that's true and we won't get to his death until the election episode yeah 
Yeah. I think he dies. He dies right before uh, the election, I believe. Yep. Uh, in, in the fiction of the show. So yeah. Um, thanks as always for listening, everyone. Uh, we always appreciate it. We love your uh, comments on either one of our threads or on SA or on BNR. Uh, if you found the show another way and have no idea what threads I'm talking about, hi, hello, welcome. And you could always email the show if you'd like at theworstwing69 at gmail.com. And we're doing the traditional live check-in on the email account. Oh. There are zero emails. Delightful. I love a clean inbox. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> Uh, All right, everyone. Uh, Stay safe out there, and uh, thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. See you next time. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. Send all the money you ask for, but don't ask me to come on along. So love me, love me, love me, 